nope, all that stuff not worried about. He's like, I'm here to make better leaders. I'm here to make good leaders. I'm here to make the leaders that are going to replace me in the future. Hey, what's going on? You're listening to the Live Leaderly Podcast. I'm your host, Darren Alba. Here on the show, we invite guests from all walks to share their stories about leadership, which just become stories about life. I ask that with the people in your life, please tell your story, listen to theirs, but in the meantime, we'll do it together here on the Live Leaderly Podcast. And joining us on the show today, Command Sergeant Major of the Regimental Military Intelligence Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment, Kevin Fouch. Kevin, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thank you very much for having me here. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Where are you calling in from today? Fort Benning, Georgia. Good old Fort Benning, Georgia. That's great. Well, Kevin, an uh, icebreaker question I always like asking on here is if you have a first memory of leadership, maybe when you were a kid or a teenager. Can you think back to what that was for you? Uh, yes. So I would definitely, I was reflecting on this. Uh, I don't think it was clear to me then that uh, what I was doing was was being a leader. It really didn't come to me until like the last couple of years when I was trying to figure out my own leadership style and that being uh, as an influential leader. Because in the military, I realized uh, as, as a leader, I wasn't the type of person telling people what to do. And so I realized like, am I, all right, so am I managing or am I a leader? And really what it came down to is, is thinking about um, – my work ethic, the things that I do, the way that I influence people was really my, my, my strength as a leader. And so that time that I thought back about being uh, on the swim team, being a team captain, being selected as a leader, I wasn't the biggest, fastest, strongest, but from the time I showed up to the team years earlier, earned my, my letter early, uh, it was my work ethic that got me to the top lane, that got me picked for uh, usually as, like, as an anchor of one of the strengths on the relay teams or getting put in those, those clutch events. That yes, sure, they're individual events, but as a whole, it was it was it was looked upon me to to you know to influence the rest of the team, to rally them on, and and to be a leader like that. Uh, and I can just then was able to reflect back on a lot of parts of my military career uh, on how that was. Like uh, I'm a military intelligence professional, but I started working in special operations pretty early on, and was thrown into the mix with a bunch of uh, you know 11 series, 18 series, uh, and as a, as a guy on the ground who's an intel guy, but now being a direct support guy, like how, how did I become a leader to them, or how how did I lead and influence uh, the next generation of me? And a lot of it was again like my work ethic, the the doing what was right all the time, the getting to all the schools you needed to make sure I was trained and especially proficient, you know, validating my skills, and then that's what I expected of those that worked for me, and so. You know, and trying to make better, trying to make good leaders, leaders are going to be better than me to to build up the next generation uh, and generations to come in the military. After, after reflecting on your military career, you're able to look back to swim captain Kevin. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, through work work ethic and influence, I, I was being a leader. You're in that formal role as a as the team captain. But I don't think we understand what leadership is when we're we're a kid or a teenager. We're just kind of put in those positions. We're not always quite sure why why we were put there. Exactly. Well, Kevin, could you share a little more about your background and where you're from? Okay, so uh, I am from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, let's see, I've been in the military for 22 years now. Uh, really, I joined. So I joined in September of 2000. So peacetime army, right? Uh, very different from when we are now, or you know, we're kind of trying to transition back to. I joined the army because I was bored. I, you know, sometimes you get some probably weird reasons, and it was. I was out of uh, high school for a year. I was just going to school and uh, going to college. I was working. A lot of my friends had left and uh, going to other colleges and universities and just kind of recruiter hit me at the right time. My scores on everything were pretty good. And just like, you know what, let's do this. Let's sign up. 
Uh, I joined as a 98 X-ray, which uh, really at that point in time, the MOS doesn't exist anymore, but uh, signals intelligence analyst is what I ended up being assigned out of that with the language. So I went to, uh, to DLI for Arabic, and it was when I was at DLI, uh, September 11th, 2001, when obviously, uh, you know, a lot of things changed, everything changed. So the towers were hit, that, that's which I think absolutely changed the trajectory of my career. I went to uh, 101st Airborne Division. Uh, actually, so let's reflect back. Like, so after DLI, I went to Signals Intelligence Analyst Training, Texas. And I went to 101st Airborne Division about three months prior to initial invasion. Uh, they were just coming back from Afghanistan. It was interesting to be a brand new soldier there and seeing soldiers come back from Afghanistan. Uh, and then instantly we start posturing and getting ready to go to Iraq. So I deployed for 12 months right out the gate, like to initial invasion um, as a SIGINT analyst. With, so with 101st Airborne Division, with the uh, forward intel element, literally crossing the border in thin-skinned Humvees with no body armor, with some flak vest and no body armor is a very different time than, than now with everything's up-armored and everybody's getting plates. And uh, it was just a different time frame, right? Spent 12 months there. Very interesting time. Learned a lot about myself. Uh, learned a lot about the Army. And just when I got back, uh, and was definitely interested in, in doing something new. I wanted to figure out how to get back to, to Iraq and support the war fighter as quickly as possible. Uh, I ended up getting recruited into uh, a unit that was up at had kind of different mission up at NSA and being where I started learning uh, electronic warfare and kind of deviated a little bit then from signals intelligence. Uh, the army was trying to figure out best way to, to utilize electronic warfare and electronic support role. Uh, I spent some time there really learning some new things, meeting people. And from there, I was recruited into a special missions unit at Fort Bragg and uh, was great about that. I wasn't quite sure I was getting into, but it was some people that I trusted already that were saying, I think this is what you're going to be looking for. Um, I went and I assessed and uh, was selected, then moved to Fort Bragg in about uh, May of 2006, where I started 16 years at that unit doing things I never imagined doing. It was kind of the forefront of uh, being able to support the warfighter on the ground, support special operations as a military intelligence professional, being able to innovate from the very beginning to get after problems. So like, this is, we we know you're intelligent. We gave you some training. What do you think about this? And was able to just really be unleashed on going after these problem sets to to enable uh, the warfighter, you know, special operations to get after the enemy, to make, them the most lethal force, you know, make us a special operations, the mo most lethal force that we could be. Some really game-changing things that I got to work with amazing, anywhere from SF guys to Rangers to even MOS and material. And these guys were all specially selected and well-trained and, uh, you know, really humbled by that. I was like, man, I, I, I'm one of those guys too. I'm one of those guys that they specially selected and well-trained. Like, I don't want to disappoint them. It was one of those things I never wanted to disappoint anybody. And so that was one of my driving factors to just always be better. Never want to be a liability. So how do I get faster, stronger? How do I shoot better? How do I do all these things? Because I know they're looking at me to be to do my job and they're backing me up. So when it's my you know chance to return the favor, I want to do that. And even there, though, they're great leaders. One of my, my first team leaders told me, he's like, what do you think my job is? And, and we came up, of course, with you know a bunch of stuff that you know it wasn't necessarily the wrong answer, but there was definitely a more right answer. And he was like, nope. He's like, all that stuff, not worried about. He's like, I'm here to make 
better leaders. I'm here to make good leaders. I'm here to make the leaders that are going to replace me in the future. Cause I'm not going to be here all the time. I'm old. I'm not going to, you know, be here forever. And uh, when I'm gone, you got to step up and do it. And, and I hadn't really heard that before. And, you know, after that, I'm here to be the technical expert. No, he wanted me or the tactical, you know, expert in some things, but he's like, Nope, I want you to be a great leader. Uh, and there's a lot of places in, in soft that they make amazing commandos, not necessarily amazing leaders. Uh, but you do get some excellent leaders there. And I think it's actually pretty clear. If you look at the key leaders around DOD today, a lot of them have some soft experience. And I did realize uh, pretty early on, pretty early on that some of the best leaders had were coming out of Ranger Regiment. Uh, I'd already had some drive to go to, to Ranger school. When I joined the army in 2000, it wasn't open to all MOSs. If you were a soft skill uh, or obviously female as well, but if soft skills couldn't go to Ranger school and they didn't open it up until I believe 2004, 2005, but I knew I wanted to go to Ranger school from that and driving into Fort Bragg every morning, I drive by the 82nd Airborne pre-Ranger school. And I was like, there it is. Just got to find this time in my career. I got to get to it. You know, here's a leadership school. Also, I'm going to get there and earn that tab. Uh, so beyond working within the unit and, and, and working to become better to, and, and essentially um, try to mentor even some of the newer guys and the other teams, every year we get a couple of new guys and I just like would bump up one, one position. And we say like, uh, I went from five IC to four IC. So the, you know, from the fifth in charge, like fifth in charge, like who are you in charge of? There's it's like, but really it become the fourth in charge. Well, now I got one guy I'm in charge of basically down below me. And so keep working my way up that, that chain, uh, to be a good example for them, uh, be a good, great example for the guys on the other teams. So even though I wasn't in a leadership position yet, you're, you're still trying to set that example, this, and, uh, Super competitive. Uh, I've been told before I'm, I'm pretty competitive. And then I actually realized like I'm almost competitive in everything, but not unhealthy. I think competitive competitiveness breeds a different kind of warrior. Like you want to be better. And with that, like I tell people, never cut corners, uh, never cheat. Like there's no value. There's no honor in winning or doing great in something if you're cutting corners. Like stay true to yourself. Be like a, be an actual like genuine leader. Be genuinely good at what you do. So anyways, getting back on track of that, of just working my way up. Like, and I realized at that point in time, you know what, someday I want to be a leader here. I want to be the team sergeant sometime, or maybe even heck, maybe I make it to the, the troop sergeant major. Um, and that's a big deal when you're, a, you're uh, just an Intel guy who showed up one day to do this job that didn't really exist in the army. And you get to kind of set your own course, set your own path that this is going to have probably greater uh, meaning in the army someday. So, just kept moving up. I know this is all kind of about my, my history of things, but I think it's, it's all these steps when I've thought about recently and how I got to where I'm at. Like, so I mentioned getting my Ranger tab finally in 2009 before in between deployments, like right after, uh, you know, it was a crazy time, real super busy 2006, seven, eight. Um, so at the end of 2008, I had scheduled, like, I'm going to come back and go right to Ranger school. So I did earn that tab. Very fortunate to have gone straight through, um, came out, went to, went to uh, ANOC. So, you know, at that point in time, the non-commissioned officer course for E7s and showed up to Fort Huachuca with my Ranger tab. And I had everybody that saw it was just impressed with having the Ranger tab. And they all asked me what I reclassed from because like I mentioned before, it's, there was no soft skills going to Ranger school. So here I am, I telling them I'm a 35 and I went to Ranger school at 35. In fact, I just got back from there as an E7. Uh, and that, that, that started gaining some respect. So again, by influence, right? Like people seeing this, um, 
I got to meet a guy there who was getting ready to go to Ranger school and then go to Ranger regiment. And uh, I was able to give him his drive on tab. I was pretty excited. Like I knew he was going to do great things. And he's still serving, doing great things. Um, but yeah, then I went back to my unit and all these senior guys, these, these, uh, these, these SF, uh, these, you know, mix of soft and, uh, from SF and Ranger and everything walking by a lunch table, stopped and talked to me. Hey, did I just hear you went to Ranger school? I was like, yes, I did. Like, that's crazy, man. And then they sat down and started talking Ranger school stories. So it was just kind of like Ranger school, yes, leadership school. It happened to be other guys that I respected as leaders and it just kind of bonded. It's just one more bond I formed with people. Um, kept moving forward, stayed in the unit longer. I did become the senior EW guy. I did become a troop sergeant major. I was selected and became an operations sergeant major. And then when my career ran up as an Intel guy in that unit, they uh, asked me to move over to a different area. And then I got to go to a different troop and to be a different troop sergeant major back in the intelligence element. And you know, why did they do that? Well, they saw that I had more leadership potential or more, more, more leadership to give for sure in, in that soft unit. Um, so I think that's the things like you look at what makes successful leaders, uh, like credibility was, was big. The amount of credibility I established over all those years. Um, more than that, just relationship building. Like you can burn bridges or you can build bridges. And I built so many bridges that I had people wanting me to come work for them, to come work in their formation with within this soft unit. And, you know, people, some people that wanted to make a job for me. Um, I, that, that's why I think when I was finally realizing, like, I'm doing good things. When I've got uh, people that once I moved elements, I've got people from the old element coming to talk to me still. And then I move up and I've got those people still coming to talk to me. And, uh, and I'm like, wow, people want to hear what I have to say. They want guidance. They want, they just want my opinion. They just want to run some things by me. And, and they weren't in EW. They weren't even necessarily in army intelligence. It was just what I thought about certain things. But I thought about going to certain training schools, but I thought, uh, I don't know. There's so many things that people came to me. Like I, I really appreciated that. And it helped, it helped empower me as a leader, but also then I asked them like what they wanted, what they needed and what they also saw in me. And so in the army, uh, or at least in soft, I don't think you get a whole lot of, you, you don't get a lot of good feedback if you're doing good things. You just let you do what you're doing. You only really hear things and you mess up. Um, but I appreciate that people were coming to me. They wanted to hear how I thought they were doing. And then I returned and asked them and people started telling me like they really respect, they think I'm, they believe I'm a genuine leader. They feel like I take care of them, that I'm taking care of not just them. I take care of everybody. I always make time for people. Like I'm authentic. Uh, I'm accessible. That's a big part. But she, more you move up of being, people don't think maybe you have time for them. Like that's my job. I'm, my, my job is to make time for, for, and, you know, stack those priorities and, and to make sure that I'm uh, accessible and that I'm approachable. Um, being a CSM is kind of, a, it's, it's been really difficult for me coming out of uh, one part of SOF and then being a battalion sergeant major, especially in Ranger Regiment. Um, it took a while to get called sergeant. Like, it took a while for me to get used to being called sergeant major a hundred times a day. <laughs> it was kind of uncomfortable, but uh, I just know it's because they, they respect me. Like they want to talk to me now. They want to learn. They want to hear about my experiences. Um, and so real quick to wrap up, like how I got here is just, I did uh, 30 months as the Intel Sergeant Major, the last unit, and I knew that they formed the regimental MI battalion. It's brand new. There's not a lot of MI uh, E9s that are Ranger tabbed. There's just barely more than a handful. And I'm one of them, and some of them work for me. And so um, I 
decided to compete and regiment assessed me met the same standards as every other uh, ranger out there. And, uh, and it has been a great transition. I love working in ranger regiment. I am working with amazing leaders and just like I did before. And I get to see, see it every day now. Um, I guess it helped. I would be, I, I try not, I don't bring it up on my own, but because there is an interview like uh, in 2012, I just decided to compete in best ranger competition with uh, Sergeant Major Pat Payne. It's kind of a big deal. You can all look him up and get his, get his story. Um, but we won it. So I'm the first soft skill guy to win best ranger with just an amazing partner. And, uh, so when I competed for this and, and I got it, everybody's like, of course you, you got it. Like you look at all the things you've done. Plus you won their competition back in 2012 as an Intel guy. Like, how would you not be a good fit for that? I said, well, it goes into a lot of like some other things when you're looking at, of going into regiment or going into soft or just as a leader, recognizing hiring the best talent, this person is the best at something doesn't mean that's who you want on your team. Like you got to look at their credibility. You got to look at those things of, you got to look at how they are on a team, how they, how they bond with people, how they communicate with people. And so I am just humbled and honored that regiment range, range regiment took a gamble on me and brought me over because of, you know, they assessed that I'm, I'm a good leader and that's what they wanted inside of regiment to come here and lead a very young battalion um, you know, towards the future and, and develop future me's and future, you know, awesome, amazing leaders in the army. No, I'm, um, I'm glad that in 2000 you were, you were bored and decided to come into the army. And then that started a, a process where, you know, it, those soft skilled MOSs didn't have the opportunity to go to ranger school. And then you fortunately got to go and kind of unlock the rest of this career that you've had, including winning best, best ranger in, uh, 2012, was it? Yes. Yeah, 2012. And then ascending through all those all those positions all the way to be command sergeant major of the uh, the intel battalion. That's quite quite a career. Talked about some great great uh, leadership attributes and skills in there. The credibility, uh, just getting good at your craft, getting competent, building good relationships, and, and being authentic and being um, accessible, like you said. Uh, if you could go back to maybe that that early early NCO uh, sergeant Fouch. What kind of leadership advice do you think could have been useful f- to you back then as you're just starting to you know, be a team leader, start on take, start taking those, those leadership roles early in your career? I don't know if I empowered people as much then. Um, I haven't really hadn't identified my style leadership. And so a lot of it, uh, you know, try to get people up to speed. I don't think, I don't want to say I didn't empower them and I could, I micromanage. I don't think I've really been a micromanager. Um, I like establishing trust in people, um, but then empowering is really what it's about. And then additionally, um, I didn't realize till probably just a few years ago, you know, in, in communications of, yes, you're in the army. And so absolutely I can say, do something and they're going to do it because they have to do it, but that's not the most effective way to communicate it. Uh, it's not the best way to make sure that the mission is understood and what the task needs to be at hand. And so, um, you know, learn to communicate with everybody, take the time to understand how people need to be communicated with. Um, empower your people. Uh, I really feel like that's, that's a big part and then help them like make sure that as a leader, your soldiers or your, you know, this applies to think the real world as well, right. That they understand what the mission is. We'll say the mission, but what, what is the goal of what your job is? What is the ultimate end result you want of your organization? Um, and that they should be working towards that, not just doing what you're told to do or doing what you think you're with within your lane only. I think is you know you understand what the what the end mission is like. Everybody's goal is to is to win, right? It's like that should be 
that's the simplest way of putting it. But um, so as, as a young leader, making sure the soldiers from all the way, you know, bottom up, um, understand what we're all going towards. And as you, as you've ascended through uh, the ranks and you've, you know, had more and more NCOs and, and subordinate leaders under you, are there any, I guess, maybe common, not so much mistakes, but common things that new NCOs struggle with that you've, you've seen and you've tried to, you know, help them along the way or uh, give them some advice with? Let's see. Um, self-awareness is, is a thing. I know just trying to be able to understand like, Hey, you're doing the right thing, but then in this open forum and you're communicating, you're thinking you're doing the right thing, but you're maybe not reading the room the right way. So it's, uh, so I very, you know, we'll bring them aside, help them understand what, like what my perceptions were, or maybe how they came across, you know, somebody else. Cause in the military, it's, yep, it's great. Be direct, be candid, be empowered, but there's that fine line then just becoming uh, coming off as a jerk. Like, uh, so radical candor, right. That's a, it's a great book. Um, can't recall the author of that one, but, but she writes a, an amazing amount of lessons in there on, on how to go after uh, and, you know, discuss the hard things with people. I think that's extremely important to be able to say when think people are doing the right thing, but being able to constructively tell something, tell somebody when they're doing the wrong thing. And then uh, you, you mentioned a, a team leader early in your career who uh, you had that discussion about your job description um, or his job description. And he's like, oh, those, those are all great things. But my job is to make leaders, to make you a better leader, to, you know, someone that eventually is going to sit in my seat. It, if you could think about some of the other impactful leaders that you've had during your career, what are things that you've really admired from them that you've tried to incorporate to, uh, into how you lead? Very personable. They were all uh, some of the best ones were also some of the best uh, family men. Um, or, and they, they're always just genuine, like how they, how they came across, like at work, uh, a lot of times was how they were at home, um, genuine, like loyal and, you know, I guess leaders in their household, but they always, they always had a great, you know, command team at home, basically, you know, like their, their spouse was always, was pretty great. And so I definitely admired them for the, their ability to have a great work-life balance or sometimes, you know, be challenged. Some of those best leaders um, were able to have great work-life balance. They were able to, they're great leaders at home and at work, but as a team. And I think that's a lot of the things is like people try to go at it too much on their own. Uh, and instead of, uh, you know, relying on on that, that great partners you have. Like that's one of my, my, my favorite parts about Best Ranger competition is that it's done as a duo. Like you will not win if you go at it with just on just your own. You will not win it if you burn your partner out. It takes communication. Uh, we had other teams telling us like they admired us. They saw how much like Pat and, and I interacted with each other and being great friends, uh, being able to identify. I mean, there's plenty of yelling at each other uh, at times of, of stress, but just like those kinds of things, I think easily translated to where I even saw to other people where the great command teams had the greatest results because they work together, they identify their weaknesses, they're able to candidly talk to each other about that and make some course corrections and help develop each other. So I think those are all really good things of being being accessible, being approachable, being accountable. Being accountable is a big piece. To being able to uh, recognize that you did make a mistake as a leader or really anytime and then be accountable and then you work to correct it. Like it's, it can, it's absolutely recognized by, by soldiers and those around you. Uh, when, when that when that part goes into effect, having that accountability 
uh, being personable, leading not just at work, but leading in your family, having that team, that team component, uh, wherever you are, um, and you know, working with the people around you to get the best results, whether that's at home or in Best Ranger or you know, as a, a new team leader. And so, uh, we have a, a theme here, um, kind of a guiding question with Leader We in our podcast: Can anyone learn to lead? And so, after your your career um, in the military, having seen all kinds of people develop through and how, how do you approach that? Can anyone learn to lead? I absolutely think anyone can learn to lead. Uh, especially, I didn't join the army to lead. I joined the army to to be whatever that was—to be a SIGINT analyst and learn Arabic, like whatever that equated to in my mind back then. It definitely wasn't to be a command sergeant major of a special operations battalion, you know, especially in Ranger Regiment. Like that's <laughs> so. I think so. It, it's and it's not just for being. It's absolutely. Leaders aren't just extroverted or they're not introverted. It's it's pretty wild that I'm a SIGINTER for those out there that love to listen to this and be like, I can't believe this guy was a SIGINT analyst and he seems pretty extroverted and he gets along with people because that's not always the case. But the absolutely can learn to lead and it's 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 um you be passionate about something. Uh, like I realize that even though I love tech, I am passionate, I'm more passionate about uh, the people that uh i've met and that i get to to mentor and train i just spent the last two weeks bouncing around a couple of installations i went to basically all the the mi ait went out to goodfell air force base and then went out to fort wachuca arizona the last two weeks were like reinvigorating to me like i've already loved being at regiment i know they're on a great path but going and meeting these all these young soldiers at ait both uh enlisted and officers was extremely motivating and like i know that there's a lot of great future leaders there and they didn't join to be leaders. Well, hopefully the officers did, right? But the uh, for the enlisted just joined to be maybe analysts. And then I get to talk to them and share these experiences I've been sharing on this podcast. Man, there's some some eyes get big and some you know, like there's some more motivated folks that they're not getting the, maybe the greatest messages that coming in just because people don't know. There's still there's still bad information out there that that are being told to, to women that they can't go to ranger regiment. or can't go to ranger school. Like, no, that's, that, that changed years ago. Like the opportunities are there. You gotta, you're already taking the big step to volunteer to be in the army. It's like, keep continue to challenge yourself and make yourself better. Like, uh, you know, ranger regiment's one place for it. There's other, uh, special operations things to do. And there's, and even so just in the regular army is great opportunities to be awesome at your job, work with awesome people. And then if you decide to, you like that, continue to grow and become a leader to develop future great, whatever job you cho- join the army to be is. Um, yeah, I got, it's, it's probably be- better timing on this, right? I know I had to reschedule with you and I appreciate that. It's probably better that we rescheduled because I've just had these amazing past couple of weeks. It just further motivates me, uh, you know, to get on here and, and, and talk about, you know, what I hope helps other people uh, and, and defining and figuring out what their leadership style is or, becoming a better leader, um, like all those types of things. We're, we're about to close out here soon, but I did want to turn it back over to you if you had any other thoughts for the podcast that you wanted to share. I really appreciate your time. Um, I really respect uh, what you're doing here, the, uh, you know, the program, especially that you're able to, to be in. And uh, like, this is a very selfless project you're doing. Like this is uh, that, that, you know, hopefully, you know, many people listen to and whether it, as I've learned, if you can help us, if like one person just gets something out of this, then that's like, that's great. That is, that is pretty much all I could ask for is like at least one person listens to it and gets some great information from it. And uh, yeah, 
I absolutely don't mind being contacted. Uh, I can send you my uh, email or something like that. And I'm totally open to anybody hitting me up with any questions. Okay. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll make that, we'll keep that in the podcast, in the audio. So if anyone wants to reach out, connect with me, my, my email is in the podcast description and I can get you connected for sure. Appreciate uh, having you on the show. All right. Okay. Thank you, Darren. Our guest today, Command Sergeant Major Kevin Fouts. And for all those out there listening, this has been the Live Weedery Podcast.